1: We're all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this. Welcome to the show, everybody. Rachel. Kirk. I've got a question for you. Ooh, I love it's questions. maybe a weird way to start the show. So... Okay. How do you feel about smells?
0: Okay. <laughs> um... It depends on the smell. I
1: don't sure. You know, I guess it, it is a weird question. I, well, I feel like some people are like into smells and some people tend to avoid them. Are you more of a smell seeking person or a smell avoiding
0: person? That's a good question. Um, now I'm really thinking about it. I feel like I tend to avoid smells more than i seek them out like if it's bread or something like that or like something sure. like smells so great like really good food yeah, especially yeah. you're gonna find me next to it i'm gonna i'm gonna find that so- scent but i feel yeah. like i just encounter so many different smells all the time i don't <laughs> In i feel our like line of work, I'm you do encounter a few
1: smells. <laughs> you get to work anything. with a fox so you definitely yeah. encounter some interesting smells yeah um
0: there is that too. Well, for me like, I, eh.
1: I feel like i tend to avoid a lot of smells on a bit of a mm-hmm. smell avoider as well i think you know, like the perfume aisle or a scented candle mm. store is pretty much my definition of hell uh i
0: like a good scented candle but like oh, perfume I, I stores get no. me i can't go through that section of macy's it's too much
1: Right. Mm. Like when I was growing up, my mom would wear perfume a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is not a knock on her. But like when I would go into the bathroom after like, or I would question because they were getting ready, we're going out or something like I literally could not breathe mm. in in that room because the smell was so strong. And she'd be like, what? What are you talking about? But like it had that kind of effect on me. Okay, and that's yeah. the same, as you mentioned, going through like a perfume department, an apartment store oh. is was and is an overwhelming experience that I just mm-hmm. avoid. And I said, "accented candle store" is like a kick in the face. It's not enjoyable. I'm not a fan. Now that being said, much like you, there are smells that I enjoy. You mm-hmm. mentioned bread. Oh, bread! Like, we is do amazing. have like an essential oil diffuser at home, mm-hmm. and there's a few smells I like to put in there, like eucalyptus. I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy the smell of certain foods, like you mentioned bread, but also like like a, a fresh baking pizza or chocolate oh. chip cookies in the oven. Bacon. Oh, absolute delight bacon, garlic oh. bread uh, oh. in, the, in the oven. Garlic like, in general? Right? Oh. Yeah. So it isn't just that though that I like all necessary food smells and don't like other smells. Because mm-hmm. fish cooking and broccoli cooking are absolutely revolting <laughs> to me. And those are mm-hmm. foods. So I'll go figure. Mm-hmm. Um, although I I, do, I don't like either of those foods either. Yeah, so you don't like them either. Anyway. <laughs> so humans are naturally attracted to probably the smells of foods they like. Mm-hmm. but we also have a whole thing where we use smells to try to make ourselves smell different. Huh? Right. Okay. So I'm thinking about like perfumes and colognes.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll so put on a perfume every once in a while. Not often. Okay, all
1: right. Well, this is something that goes, and uh, yeah, I've got like a couple of bottles of cologne I've had for like 20 years. They're I don't like so subtle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But this this, you know, if you think about like perfume, for example, you know, I looked up uh, actually a a number here because I want to know, like, how big of an industry is perfume? And according to Fortune Business Insights, the perfume industry globally in 2023 is estimated to have a market value of 48 billion dollars.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, we
1: really, really like to make ourselves smelly. Yeah, uh, there's a bunch of reasons why. Okay, we might be doing it to attract a mate, mm-hmm. but we also might just be doing it to feel better about ourselves because mm-hmm. uh, we and we just or we just like how it smells, or we are trying to cover up an odor, or yeah. we like to show off how rich we are because some smells are very very expensive and you can only have them if you're rich. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a new thing. Uh, there are records of ancient Egyptians and Mesopotamians making perfume five thousand years ago. Ooh. So that's often kind of cited as the start of perfume, but. I'm kind of like, well, you know, maybe that's when perfume started per, per se, but um, we've been that doing may not be.
0: Longer.
1: Yeah, I can imagine humans have been like rubbing good smelling things on themselves for a whole lot longer than five thousand years, right? Probably since mm-hmm. as long as there've been humans, they've been like, "Ooh, this is nice," and I, I'm going to have some of this plant around my neck, or I'm going to rub mm-hmm. it on me because it smells nice, right? Right.
0: Well,
1: Hanging this these week
0: flowers around my neck, yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. And this week there's one particular smell that humans like to put on themselves, and I want to talk about it, and that's the smell of musk. Okay. So I need to point out right out of the chute that musk is not one smell. It's actually a right. group of smells. Okay. And there's, there's a number of animals and plants that have a musky smell. And while the specific like chemicals involved are structurally Pretty different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, us humans, we love to put things in little boxes and group them up. So we call <laughs> all of these slightly different smells musks. But the OG musk is uh-huh. from the musk deer. And these okay. deer live in the mountains of Southeast Asia. So basically, picture like the Himalayas. Uh, mm-hmm. They closely resemble another animal that we've talked about on the show, the Chinese water deer. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Is it the one with the fangs, right? I think I talked about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I talked the ones about that that one that someone's it. <laughs> Sometimes vampire called vampire
1: deer. deer. Yeah, they have these enlarged canines that stick down past their gums on each side and gives them a vampire fang appearance. Well, the musk deer also have these pseudo fangs that hang down the side of their face. So they, nice. they look very much like a Chinese water deer, if you've seen those. There's actually seven different species of musk deer, but they from what I could gather, they all kind of look pretty similar. Okay. So they're named after a gland that is found under the skin of males and the smell it gives off is used to attract a mate. And mm-hmm. traditionally what would happen is the deer were trapped and killed and the gland was cut out and then dried. And the smell, Rachel is <gasps> super potent. Oh yeah. I saw one source that describes it as sharp, repulsive, fatty, animalic with notes of urine. Oh yeah, like, Gross. okay, but you have to take it, and it's dried in the sun, um, uh-huh. and then the it's, it's kind of, there's like this granular stuff inside, which is taken, and it's mixed with ethanol, and when it's diluted quite highly, it has a very pleasant smell that has been highly prized for centuries. Right. Now, <clears throat> I do have to say- That's
0: wild. How did they figure that out? <laughs> well, right, I mean, I guess a little bit goes a
1: long way. There's a lot of yeah. things like that, that if you smell them- Intensely, it's overpowering, but just a little hint of it is like, "Ooh, it's quite nice," uh, because huh. it's it's so pungent. You uh, to this day, I mean, if you have too much of it, you're like, "Oh, that's awful," but a little bit is is quite nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say the word "musk" uh, actually comes from a Sanskrit word that means get ready, testicle, because of course, of course, we're course here. it does. Right? Of course it does. Um, apparently. The dried gland uh, has a, let's just say, familiar look to it.
0: Of course, it and does. the
1: fact, yeah, the fact that the deer use it to attract a mate, and that and the gland looks uh, vaguely testicular, uh, has led to the rumor that the smell of musk is a potent aphrodisiac. Of course, which also probably added to the value and the mystique around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the musk smell is used to, widely today, perhaps because of that association, you know, from the past. Mm-hmm. But also because the market has shown that people just really like this smell. I mean, they really like it. Mm-hmm. Musk makes up the base note of most, if not almost all perfumes on the market. Uh, even ones that you don't think is like like a manly, musky, you know, kind of smelling perfume. Yeah. Like almost all of them have it in there. It usually makes up somewhere between 15 and 30% of the base note or base smell of most perfumes on the market. Like Whoa. that's just what they start with, okay. because it's super popular. Now, the real right. deal musk from the musk deer is difficult to harvest, and traditionally very expensive. And yeah. musk was once associated with royalty and the super wealthy because it was hard to get. Mm-hmm. Today, it's actually harder to say how much musk glands are worth because musk deer are now critically endangered, and it you is don't definitely say. illegal. Illegal to slaughter them uh, for their musk gland. One source I did see indicated a value perhaps as high as $45,000 per kilogram oh. for genuine musk glands, uh, which would be like the most expensive source of the musk mm-hmm. smell you could get. So, but I do not know if that number is accurate. I'm not active in the black market. So take that for what you will.
0: Proud of you, Kirk. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: I, <laughs> Be proud of something. So <laughs> there are other sources of, uh, uh, of musky smells. A similar smell mm-hmm. can come from the anal glands of beavers.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've used uh, from, this from in am- class.
1: The yeah, castor gland. ambergris.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and ambergris uh, comes from sperm whales, which is such an incredibly bizarre topic. I'm, I'm going to put it down right mm-hmm. now on my list to talk right. do a whole show on that. So we, I'm not going to st- on that oh. wormhole.
0: All right. I will um, make also, sure that it's not on my list because I forgot about ambergris, grease, even though it's absolutely wild.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, also, apparently I learned uh, something I regret this week, that uh, a musky smell also comes from the anal secretions of civet cats that are kept in cages and basically like scared <sighs> into making this smell, which is just stop That's that. So stop. That's so
0: sad. Why? Guys, uh... the, perf-
1: the perfume business is really weird. <laughs> So yeah. all of these are um, problematic. There's also, I will say, there are also some plants that can make this smell. Mm-hmm. The problem is they're, um, they take a lot of them to process and it's rare. And so that is also very expensive to make mm-hmm. it out some of these natural plant uh, sources. So uh, naturally, you might not be surprised to learn that we have developed synthetic musk smells. And in fact, the development of these synthetic nice. musk smells are partially why um, musk smells are so prevalent. In the marketplace now because we can mm-hmm. make it very cheaply. Uh and starting in like the nineteen nineties, musk nice. perfumes and stuff just exploded. Like to the point that now that's like dominant, where maybe it wasn't as much in the past because it was so expensive. Okay. So that seems like really awesome, right, Rachel?
0: I wanna say yes, but your face and tone say no. <sighs> oh yeah. no. Um
1: Turns out uh, some of these, the most popular and widely used synthetic musk smells are carcinogenic. They're basically uh, estrogen mimics uh, and they can oh. be carcinogenic. And then also um, turns out they're really stable molecules. And so they bioaccumulate in human tissue. Uh, many of the chemical substances oh, no. are, being, are currently being banned in countries around the world due to health concerns. Half of our listeners are in the U.S. So those of you who are, take note. The dangerous synthetic musks that have been shown to bioaccumulate in our system, they're still perfectly legal to use here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, isn't that great? (laughs)
1: Uh, I know we have a lot of Australian listeners, too. Uh, You're in the same boat, my friends. Uh, They are legal there as well uh, while they're being banned in other countries. So you're thinking, that's cool. That's cool. I don't use cologne. I don't use perfume. I'm good. It's
0: fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's Fine. fine.
1: Yeah, these same artificial musk uh, compounds are also used in basically anything that smells. Air fresheners, detergents, deodorants, uh, and they're really stable, like I said, so they stick around in the environment. So that's really, like, awesome. Like I said, that bottle of cologne I've had for, like, 20 Mm -hmm. years in the the cabinet still smells kind of the same as it did the day I bought it because it's really stable. Uh, But that's not great to have really stable... Uh, chemicals no. like that in the environment. There's actually a study in Germany that took fat samples from humans and found synthetic musk present in 100% of the samples. Oh, uh, synthetic wow. musk has also been found in human breast milk, uh, in blood, placental tissue, and neonatal umbilical cords. So it's kind of everywhere right now. Yeah. Which isn't great. No. And we may very likely be killing ourselves just to smell like the dried scent gland of a Himalayan deer. Kirk, guys, this topic makes me... Are weird. We're very humans weird. Humans are weird, you guys. I guess I guess uh, I was talking about like musk glands this week yeah. and musk deer because they're strange. You yeah. know what's actually stranger? Humans. We are.
0: Kirk, this makes me <laughs> we make want to just like those, lay right? down for a while.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's real weird. Um, so I'm not, I gotta say, I'm not really sure where to leave this one. Uh, it certainly didn't go where I expected when I started learning no. about musk odors. I was like, oh, it's been cool. We're talking about deer. And all of a sudden, it was like, wah, wah. Um, <laughs> but it's certainly in- interesting and strange. Oh, um, absolutely. It doesn't really so make me want to go apply cologne at the moment. Um, but it's certainly no. interesting to learn a bit about humans and like how the lengths we'll go to to, you know, get certain smells on our bodies. Yeah. Um, so that's what I have for you this week. I will say, aside from the specifics, uh, you know, Uh, sources I mentioned in the actual story I also got some of my little numbers and stuff from uh, Wikipedia this week awesome but that's what I got Rachel you want to take a little break and go put some perfume on
0: no I don't want to put on perfume ever again now thanks
1: oh do you have deodorant
0: on? yeah I do
1: did you wash that shirt in scented laundry detergent
0: trying to think if I did or not I tended to use unscented when I can but it's already good, in my, good. you know, system, I'm sure. So, Well, glad yay. to have you sticking
1: around a little bit longer. Hope you'll all stick around. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll have a cheerful story
0: from Rachel. Yes.
1: Sounded like a question mark after that. Let's find out. <laughs>
0: Welcome back, everyone. So I don't know how like cheerful of a topic it is, but I, it, it can be. I, okay. I, this is a positive thing. I I would uh, I would think. So a few weeks ago, you and I, Kirk, we were at a pro- our local state professional conference, which yeah, is sure pretty much. I, I mentioned uh, it in my like last week. Yeah, you did. Uh, which I thought was really funny, knowing what my topic was this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so pretty much that those conferences are a space for a bunch of folks like Kirk, Victoria, and I to share knowledge and best pa- practices and such uh, within our field as professional naturalists. Right. It's also just a space where all of us just nerd out <laughs> so hard over different topics, getting <laughs> to dive so deeper. <laughs> yeah Than we do with kids or the public uh especially since a lot of the times we get experts at the conference who get to share their knowledge with us on That's whatever their topic. topic is it's so fun i love it oh it's great so first of all if you were at that particular conference i know quite a few of our listeners are also at that conference hi <laughs> hola this is- I waved like this is not an audio format. They can't can't see you, Rachel. They can't (laughs) see you. That's okay. They can't. They can
1: hear the wave in your voice, I guess.
0: Might as well. So one of the workshops I was at actually mentioned something super fascinating. And Kirk, I actually told this little fun fact to you and to our friend of the show, Brett, as we Mm -hmm. were walking Mm. while we were at the conference. But okay, it's stuck in my brain and I had to go looking deeper.
1: Ooh, what was it?
0: You're gonna find out. So oh, on this <laughs> keep me in suspense. Because, Come on. Yeah, I am gonna keep you in suspense. So on the show <laughs> There's an
1: order these stories need to, to to unfold, and I'm messing with it. I'm sorry.
0: No. So on the podcast, we've talked about both dragonflies and cicadas here but something Hurt. has come up recent more recently in research that we haven't actually discussed when those topics came up and it's wild oh kirk this
1: i is see it's starting your, to ring a bell y- i see the aha gears the uh-huh. are very slowly turning <laughs> rachel told me a story mhm i'm almost there
0: yeah so to put it simply dragonfly and cicada wings are have the ability to physically pull apart bacteria. <sighs> <minute>. What? Rachel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like physically... why do we care, right? They're physically yeah, tell me, tell, able tell us to more. pull it out. This is yes. so weird. It's so weird. So this is the only known purely physical structure that we've been able to find that actually naturally occurs to kill bacteria. Everything else uses some sort of chemical or anything like this. Structure, a physical structure.
1: Structural destruction. This is a tongue twister. Structural destruction. Structural. Structural. That that word doesn't sound right anymore. Structural (laughs) destruction of bacteria. Say that three times fast.
0: Absolutely not.
1: (laughs) Okay, moving on.
0: So how they do this. So on the veined wings of like a dragonfly or a cicada, anything in like the locust family that have those really thin vein wings. Okay. When you look at those wings microscopically, there are structures known as nanopillars. And pretty much... Okay. They're little, they're like nano... Well, obviously, so really, really tiny, tiny spikes that are lifted up that are like size to bacteria. So what? what happens, yeah. So what happens is a back and I was looking at pictures and the imagery that I saw, it looked a lot to me like a shag carpet. Which is wild. So like that <laughs> image kind of might help like some a little broken
1: crayons stuck in there somewhere and some Exactly. Or like missing popcorn kernels and yeah
0: yeah so like that imagery seemed to help me a little bit at least okay i got it so what happens is when a bacteria lands on a wing the membrane of these nanopillars actually sticks to the bacteria and if the membrane of that bacteria is actually relatively soft it's not a rigid bacteria cell okay, wall yeah or membrane it sticks And then it sinks into the crevices between all of the nanopillars. And as it sinks, it's stretching the membrane of the bacteria. Uh, And as it, like, stretches, eventually it keeps stretching and stretching as this bacteria settles further and further into this membrane. And eventually it ruptures the bacteria. Wow.
1: Yeah. Do you do you happen to know what the mechanism is that's causing it to get pulled down? Cause like at that scale, I can't imagine Mm -hmm. gravity even is a force that makes any difference. Like
0: I think like, I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't, I don't think that's something they've really looked into either. It's, Part of it is just like the structure. Like there's enough space between the nano pillars Uh that when it sets down, kind of like a like a maybe like a nail bed or like you know those um, really fun like pin. uh, It was like a pin game that you would have. Like it was layers and Uh, layers of pins that you would stick your hand up into. Yeah,
1: come on. I know you. Of course I have. Of course I have one of those.
0: Absolutely. But I'm that
1: kind of guy. Yeah. No, those. I can picture that, but yeah, I'm just wondering what that force is. Oh, if anyone listening knows, yeah, it's like what the... This is pretty recent really, research, this is, too. This is why I'm so... This is why something like the conference we go to is so fun because people get really nerdy on these questions of like, mm-hmm. yeah, but but why? Like, why does that happen? Because it... Mm-hmm. They don't, I, not necessarily... Especially if it's happening on the underside of the wing. It's not gravity doing that. Is it like surface no. tension? Is it some other force? I know what those small mm-hmm. scales for insects and stuff... Fly, I think flies can like walk on the ceiling, and some of the other forces yeah. are so much stronger than gravity at that scale that gravity might as well just—it's it's not exist, almost, right? You know?
0: I think so. From what I was reading, I think the surface of the nanopillars is like attractant of sorts, Um like mm. it, it sticks. The bacteria does stick right. to it. So, like if you're sticking Oof. to it and you're stinking a little bit, you're gonna stick yeah. more. And more and And more as you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: like you said, it's something about the physical structure. It's just so Mm -hmm. fascinating. And do we think this is intentional or is this just a, I mean, everything's, you know, things that work stick Mm -hmm. around, but like, is this a fluke? I can't imagine it is. It's like an antibacterial surface. It's pretty useful if you're an animal.
0: Oh yeah. And I mean, those, those insects absolutely get, um, Like they get diseases and can get sick and everything too. It's wild to me because it's just the wings. It's not like their whole body. It's just the wing.
1: Yeah, but that's such an evolutionary kind of thing. You know, it's like just Mm -hmm. because you maybe could do something doesn't mean it's going to happen. Or like even just because I guess I should say not that way. Just because something might be advantageous doesn't Mm -hmm. mean you necessarily have the, the your DNA can be physically changed to make that happen right like it would right. be awesome if humans had this but if our dna isn't able to make structures like that then like tough it's not going to happen so if their body right. like just you know can't the material made out of stuff can't do that then you know mm-hmm. tough it'd be really cool if it could but eh, yeah different deal you know mhm
0: so it's evolution doesn't know definitely... do what we want it to do <laughs> <laughs> it, it's definitely something that's still being researched. Like this was discovered ten years ago, um, so it's still relatively that's like nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. So we don't know mm-hmm. a ton on that side of things. But Kirk, I'm glad you brought up like evolution and things because besides all of that fascinating info, is scientists have actually made a breakthrough fairly recently.
1: Ooh, what is it?
0: So, so much of human invention is based on or inspired by nature. We've talked about mimicry in the past here on the podcast, but like it oh, happens yeah. with human invention in the first place too. Like uh, the structure of jet fly- fighters and fighter planes are their shape is very similar to those of swallows and swifts, which are which are types of birds. Uh, Chainmail yep. replicates the scales of reptiles. We can the go front on of and bullet, on. From a bullet
1: train. Mm-hmm. is based on kingfisher's bills like so much stuff
0: yeah we can go on and on about examples where we have taken invention with inspiration In fact, we have, from and we probably nature. will <laughs> we will continue absolutely so scientists at the royal melbourne institute of technology have developed a nanotexture based on these nanopillars of dragonfly and cicada wings And they've actually finally been able to transfer it to plastic.
1: That's, I mean, that was one of my first thoughts was like, man, if we could find a way. Mm -hmm. We have some of these um, surfaces like microban. You saw more and more of these during the pandemic of like, I know my grocery store was bragging like, oh, our new conveyor belts are this antibacterial conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And there's some of these new surfaces out there. So I was thinking, oh, man, someone could add this to some of those surfaces. That mm-hmm. could be such a great, you know, way to keep. you know, countertops in hospitals, exactly. medical tools, these things we want to keep it off of. So that's uh, way to go, Australia.
0: Right? <laughs> oh, there's more. So the texture that they came up with when they were um, using like silicone and things like that, um, they were finally able to transfer it to pa- plastic and retain the effectiveness. The texture itself is able to kill up to 70% of bacteria that touches it. Which is Not pretty bad. good for physically yeah. tearing apart bacteria. <laughs> yes. Right? Uh I mean, the idea. Hey, if you get
1: rid of 70% of the bacteria on, you know, this door handle, I'd be like,
0: Right. Great. <laughs> this it's sounds better than nothing, great. man. Right? Go for it. So oh, the idea door, That's that's my
1: that's my number one use case. Door handles.
0: Door handles. Oh, Bathroom, oh my gosh.
1: Door First of all, a little rant here. Bathrooms okay. should not have handles. Okay? There should mm-hmm. be no need to touch a door going into or out of a bathroom. That is disgusting. Right? Okay. I don't want to ever touch anything. Like,
0: yeah, I don't either. During
1: the pandemic, one of my, my greatest things during the pandemic mm-hmm. is I, I don't know if this would have happened otherwise. I requested. I said, you know, they have these little plates you can put on the door to a bathroom. Oh, so yeah. For You can open the, the door foot. with your foot. Mm-hmm. And I requested those, and we got one at work now. It's the best. So I don't best. have to touch that door that the children are touching every day if Ugh. I go in the bathroom. Yeah, and uh, let me tell you, friends, I'm happy about that.
0: It's really <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay, so circling back, uh, the idea behind this evolution or this this revolution that's happening is yeah. to use this texture. For food products, like the plastics on food products, because oh, a lot of food waste happens because of bacteria. So,
1: oh, sure. Yeah.
0: And this would actually help improve food lifespan as well when it gets to and from uh, like when it comes for transporting and everything.
1: Yeah. Without having to use chemicals and
0: exactly. Yeah. Uh, awesome. And now that this texture has been created and we now have the ability to transfer it into plastics because they've been working on this for 10 years since this was since the insect wing uh, was figured out that it was able to do this. Yeah. Yeah. They've been working on this for 10 years, but they'd been hitting roadblock after roadblock because we just didn't have the technology to be able to transfer it in the first place. Right. So now that it's there, we're looking in they're looking into how else it can be used, like for PPE, so personal protective equipment or even things that are huge disease vectors like bathroom door handles or the railings on buses. Um, this truly yeah. is just paving the way into how we treat and deal with bacteria because if we are able to kill the bacteria in a physical way that takes a lot of chemicals and things, off the plate like we don't have to rely so heavily on chemicals which also helps prevent things like superbugs from being a thing in the first yeah place. I was
1: just thinking that that's amazing uh
0: so awesome. it's so so cool uh all of this research that was uh, about the transference of this nanotexture into plastic that was published in March 2022 Okay. So, cool. Just over a year ago from here, and so my sources this week, because that's all I have for you, this is just amazing. Where the that's that's enough. Yep. Uh, that's enough. We got an upper from Kirk's. Like, oh, cancer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so my sources this week are nanopillar polymer films as antibacterial packaging materials by Denver P. Linklater at all which was published uh, in, like I said, March, 2022 and oh I, yeah, March, 2022. And it was in applied nanomaterials was where it was, <laughs> where it was published. Uh, I also had a great article at phys.org by RMIT university and I also used our MIT University as a source, which was part of the team that led this research in the first place. So that's what I got for you this week.
1: That is very cool, Rachel. Very very so cool. Fun. What a uh, what a just breadth of like science <laughs> discovery this week. Yeah, oh. just we went we went all the way from. The glands of a musk deer to the mm-hmm. wings of a dragonfly and and back. It's, uh, it's a wild adventure. It's, it's why I love doing this oh. is to learn about all these amazing, weird things and wonderful things in our
0: world. Oh, same, Kirk. And it's always a pleasure to find out more fun facts. I can throw at everyone around me.
1: Indeed. And you know what? You know who's going to be back next week with us?
0: <gasps> Victoria!
1: Yeah, and I'm sure she has been just, you know, coming up with all kinds of fun ideas to bring bring to the table. So uh, if you're a big oh, fan yeah, of Victoria, sure. and let's be honest, who's not, uh, exactly. she'll be back next week with uh, to join us for yet another episode.
0: Yeah. Until next week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of the strange discover the show. You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace the strange.